Okay, my name's Jared, uh, formerly known as the junior high pastor, and now currently known as the high school pastor. And uh, last night, um, we took like 70 eighth graders, who we now consider freshmen, uh, to go play laser tag. There's nothing better than taking a whole bunch of eighth graders and putting them in a room with black lights and laser beams and just hunting them down systematically and destroying every one of them. Very, very fun. So when you are getting ready to go to high school, we will come and kidnap you as well from Glitter and Gold, and it will be the greatest night of your entire life. All right? So we're excited that you guys are here. Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for hanging out with us. Now, let me ask you guys a question. When uh, I ask you this, I want you to, to participate with me a little bit. Think about epic movies. Like, what would be um, an example of some epic movies that you have seen or heard of in your life? What do we think? Yes? What? The Purge. Oh, my gosh. I hear about this movie. It sounds scary. Like, a little bit crazy. Yes? What else? <laughs> okay, thank you for the explanation. That sounds epic. I haven't seen it. Is it good? Was it awesome? Okay, epic. We'll consider it. What else? What other movies would we consider as being like these big, great movies? Anything else? Yes? Iron Man. Absolutely. What a great film, right? The whole thing. Star Trek. We'll take that. Yes? Which one? Thor 2. Yeah, you saw the first one, obviously. Pretty good. I liked it. I'm excited about the next one because the hammer and a guy with long hair, you can't beat that. Yes? Avatar, the blue people. There's two different avatars? Oh, yeah, the, the long old one. And you're Airbender, Avatar the Airbender. Is that right? And you're talking about the blue one. Yeah, that's absolutely an epic film, right? That has like huge things about it. Now, here's what's crazy. Yes, last one. Epic. I haven't seen that one either, but I saw that on the movie board that I did not choose to go see. But that's okay. I don't even know what that is. What is that movie? Wow. So a shrunken person in a world of forest people. Sounds awesome, actually. We should go. It sounds a lot like Avatar, if we're, if we're honest. Yes. Okay. Final last one. The Internship, not an epic film, not at all. <laughs> no, it's not epic. No, it isn't. Yes, I saw it yesterday. It is not epic. Okay, here's the deal. When we consider, when we consider epic stories, right, there are, there are stories that are in our lives, there's stories in the world that are just these big, huge stories that carry lots of weight to them, meaning they, they really draw us in. When we find a good movie, it really pulls us in. We really want to know what that movie's all about. We're excited about it. We're riveted by it. And this story is incredible. Now, one thing that every story has to have is a main character. In English class, what is the name of the main character in a story? The protagonist. Nicely done. So a protagonist is the main character. Now here's what you need in a good story. You need a likable main character, meaning you can't have a main character that nobody likes. That's a difficult story because you'll give up, you'll walk out of the movie theater, you'll quit on it, right? So if you don't like the main character, you will not continue watching. The second thing is that likable main character has got to want something that is good. They have to have a great ambition, okay? Let me show you a couple photos. Let me, let's put up this first one. Um, tell me, who is this fine-looking gentleman? Frodo. Now, think of the first film. What is Frodo? What does he want? What's his great ambition in that story? That's right, to destroy the ring. Now, why does he want to destroy the ring? 
Can I get the little bit of light to Kelly? I can't see anybody's faces. There you go. Perfect. Uh, yes? Do you know? Yes? That's exactly right. So he wants to destroy this ring because the ring is actually destroying the world. And so he's taking this ring and he's going to destroy it in, in effect to save the world. Go to the next one. Who is that? Ooh. Yes. Katniss, the female Frodo. So she is on an epic journey as well. Let me ask you, what is Katniss's great ambition in the first story? Yes? Just to survive because there are 23 other people that are out to kill her, right? And her whole goal is to survive. The second story, also to just survive. The third story, to destroy the capital. Unbelievable. <laughs> okay, what about that guy? Who's that? Simba, right? What's Simba's ambition? In the beginning of the movie, what's his ambition? To what? What? What's Simba's ambition in the beginning of the story? He goes off and he meets these two little characters called Timon and Pumbaa. And what is their mantra in life? Yeah, Hakuna Matata, right? That's his ambition is just to go, hey, my life's about no worries. But something happens, right? Who's the villain in that movie? Yes? Yeah, right? And he's destroying the entire world. And this is the king. And he's living the Hakuna Matata life off in the jungle with Rafiki, right? And so... He realizes that his story cannot just be about himself any longer. So he has this crazy turning point when Rafiki hits him in the head with a stick. And then he goes and he finds a pond. And he looks in the pond and he doesn't see himself in the pond. He sees his father. And then out of the clouds, the father's like running like. And then all of a sudden his father says, what's his dad's name? I don't remember. Mustafa. And Mustafa says these very important four words. Mustafa out of the clouds says, remember who you are. And then the whole movie changes from that point forward. Because, hold on, in that story, all of a sudden Simba no longer is living for himself. Great stories have a likable character and they have an ambition that is not about themselves. Listen up. So if we start thinking about our own life, I believe that you and I are on the greatest adventure of all time, that your life is not a waste of time. Your life is not boring. Your life is not um, just sitting around waiting to die, okay? That is not at all what we want our life to be. In fact, I believe that we want our life to be an incredible journey, an incredible adventure. But here's what you need. You have got to be likable. Most of you are likable in this room, not all of you. But most of you, I'll let you decide if you're likable or not. Most of you are likable. I'm just kidding. You're all very likable. You have to be likable and you have to want something that is great. And here's how we know if it's great. It's not about you. Okay? So Jesus is hanging out with these guys called the disciples, right? He just shows up on the scene and he starts gathering people to follow him. He, in effect, is rescuing them from a boring story. These guys are fishermen, they're tax collectors, they're workers, they're just these normal boys. And Jesus comes in, he says, I'm going to give you a great story. I'm going to call you onto an adventure that will change not only your life, but it will change the world. You and I are here because of the adventure that these boys went on. And so Jesus calls them out and he says, come and join me on this adventure. And he begins, he begins to shape their identity. He begins to shape who they are. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 5. So Jesus is giving this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. And he's going to give them two pictures of who they really are. He says this, you are the salt of the earth. 
But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Salt in the first century was not a flavoring. It was not something that you added to make your food taste better. Salt was something that you added to, to a piece of meat that was going to decay. They did not have refrigerators back in the day. And so when they had a piece of meat and they wanted to keep it for longer than a day, they would have to put salt in it because salt was a preservative. In fact, what salt did is it stopped something from rotting. It stopped something from decomposing. And so Jesus says, that's who you guys are. In a world that is decomposing, you are salt. I have placed you in the world to stop the world from dying. Then he goes on and he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. They put it on a stand and it gives light uh, to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Back in the day, in the first century, there would be these cities. In the midst of this brown, drab, boring landscape, there would be these really bright white cities that were strategically placed on a hill so that everyone could see there's the city. In the house, they did not have electricity, so they had to use candlelight. And you would put a candle in your house in a very strategic place, a place where you wanted to walk so that you could see where you are going. And this is who you and I are, placed by God strategically in the world so that we can stop it from decomposing, stop the world from dying, and so that we can light the way back to God. This is exactly who Jesus calls his disciples. He says, you want to come on this adventure with me? Okay, here is your ambition in life. Your ambition in life is to stop the world from dying and to light the way back to me. That ambition has nothing to do with the disciples, right? He does not say, your new ambition is going to be the, you're going to have the biggest monopoly on the Sea of Galilee to be a fisherman, and I'm going to make you a multi-billionaire in shekels or whatever they used for money back then. No, he never says that, right? He doesn't go to the tax collector and say, hey, Matthew, I got a great ambition for you. You are now going to be known as the greatest tax collector of all time. You are going to be the tax collector that is the king of all tax collectors. And all that money is going to come and you're just going to, there's going to be like a, a pile of money underneath you all the time. It has nothing to do with them any longer. In fact, when Jesus came to earth, his ambition had nothing to do with himself. Jesus says that I do not come to be served, but I came to serve. Jesus' ambition in life was to rescue, to save, to forgive every one of us. That is what it takes. Now, here's what we know. All great stories, all great stories, every great movie, every great book you've ever read, every story in the Bible, every one of our lives, if it wants to be, a, if it's going to be a great story, it will have conflict. Stories, adventures are dangerous and difficult for a reason. I did some research on stories a few years back, and I, heard, I read a lot of articles about how to write movies or how to write short stories. And almost unanimously, people would say this, you have got to have a character that people really like, and then you need to do your worst to them. You need to just try to destroy them. In fact, every way possible, you want to break them, tear them down. You want to have them have the worst life ever. So that at the end, when they survive, when they overcome, when they actually achieve whatever they set out to do, us, the audience, will be so overjoyed because they made it. 
because they overcame so many incredible obstacles. Now, our life is similar. We are in an adventure, and if it's going to be a good one, it will have obstacles. There will be conflict. There will be times of difficulty in our story. Let me give you um, just a brief kind of silly example. A few years ago, I was in Utah, and some friends of mine said, hey, we should go um, rent some mountain bikes, and we'll go to Park City, and there are places where we can go down the ski slopes riding mountain bikes. And I'm thinking, that sounds very fun. So you ride a chairlift up, and I'm picturing a ski slope, right? You can all picture Mammoth or Big Bear or whatever, wherever you go skiing. You can picture a ski slope. They're very wide, and I'm just thinking, it's going to be like a meadow where I can just like cruise down and swing, swing, you know, and like the birds are singing and there's hummingbirds bringing me a sip of water every now and then. And I'm just picturing this beautiful scene of a a meadow where I can just ride a bike and just giggle with my friends, right? Nice, easy story with no difficulty. I get off the chairlift and I then find out that cut into the forest is an unbelievable system of what they call single track trails, where the trail is literally more narrow than the handlebars of your bike. And if you were not careful, you would hit a tree with your handlebars. And so this day became a lot more work than I ever imagined. I'm the first run down, this is not a joke, the first run down, was, I was with about 20 other people. We had a guy almost fall off a cliff. We had another guy go over the handlebars like this, over the handlebars, and catch himself on two trees before he fell down this, like, ravine into, like, a river. I went over the handlebars three times myself. By the end of the day, every one of us was covered in dirt, bloody. We were, like, sore for a week to come. I think a guy got a concussion that day. I mean, it was just unbelievable. We were not prepared for what was ahead of us. Now, that is such a better story than us, like, wee down a meadow. You know what I'm talking about? Because we worked so hard. We overcame so many obstacles to make it to the bottom of that hill. And here's how we know it was great. When we got to the bottom, we all looked at each other, we compared wounds, and we went back up. And we did it again because it was so fun. The greatest stories are difficult. The greatest stories have pain and conflict. Think of the disciples. These guys had a relatively easy life, fishing and hanging out. Then all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and things got a lot harder for them. They had to overcome people trying to kill them. Talk about conflict in a story, right? They had to take people throwing, hurling insults, trying to persecute them. There was a guy named Saul in the New Testament that was literally the greatest killer of all time. This guy was hunting down Christians, systematically killing them until Jesus meets him on a street and radically transforms him. And what is his name now? Paul, and he becomes a guy who writes half of the New Testament. The greatest stories are dangerous and filled with conflict. Look at what it says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. This is James. Do we know which James this is, by the way? The brother of Jesus, right? So Jesus' brother writes this. Count it all joy, my brothers, that when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, which means that uh, some kind of perseverance that you can hang on to. And let that perseverance have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He doesn't say, count it all joy if pain and trials and conflict comes your way. He says, no, no, If you follow Jesus, count it joy when it comes because James is promising that it will happen. But it's not for nothing because in a great story, 
When conflict happens, something happens to our main character. In fact, character is actually produced. Great characters are built in conflict. Think about your life for a second. You and I, if we follow Jesus, there will be times where this will be very hard. There will be times when people at your school will not get why you go to church. There will be people in your life that think you are so lame for being a part of this thing. There will be people that are in your life that are trying to go, no, you can look at this thing on the internet. It's totally fine. Everybody's doing it. There will be people that say, it's okay to gossip about other people. Everybody does that. It's fine, right? There will be people that say, being a bully is actually the best way to go because you can get exactly what you want much quicker than having to work hard for it. There are people in your life that will tell you these things, and you are faced with a decision. Probably at least three times a week, you will be facing a decision where your character will be defined. And here's what I mean. When those obstacles, when that, those, those things come that are trying to pull you away from what Jesus is calling you to be, your character will be defined. If you overcome those obstacles, you will produce good character, this kind of character, a character of love and peace and gentleness and kindness. That's the kind of character of the kind of characters that follow Jesus. Now, if you run into those obstacles and you fall down, those times you give in, those times where you let go of that, you will slowly start to slip away from who God is creating you to be. God is desperate for you to become more like Jesus. And when we do that, we produce the best character of all. We, be, we, we are produced as the character that God has created us, actually intended us to be. So we know that all of us are on a great adventure if you want to be. And we know that great adventures are difficult, that great adventures are painful at times. And here's the third thing, that you are not alone. That while, um, while we are all on our own individual lives, right, unless you have a brother or sister in this room, chances are you're going to go home by yourself. You're not going to see these people. Here's the great news. The adventure that you're on is not your own. You are actually on an adventure with two things. The first one is with the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says in John chapter 14, uh, verse 16. And I, this is, this is Jesus speaking. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And the reason that helper is capitalized right there is because Jesus is speaking of God's Spirit. The Spirit that filled Jesus in that baptism scene that spirit is given to you and I so that we are actually never alone. In those moments when you're at school and you feel so alone, you're not alone. If you believe in God, you have been given his spirit. In those moments when you feel like you're being picked on by people at school and no one's there to defend you, you're actually not alone. When you are sitting in your room after school and you are wondering why you have no friends or whatever happened at school and you just feel so alone, you are actually not alone alone. Because God has given you his spirit, a helper to be with you forever. Forever means forever. It's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He is with you. And the second thing is this. We are in a community here together. When God calls us onto this adventure, it's not one where you get to go off into the wilderness for the rest of your life and just try to survive right? He calls you onto an adventure that is a community of people. The church is not just a building, right? The church is not this beautiful campus in the middle of Irvine, or at, well, not really the middle, the edge of Irvine, but 
This is not what the church is. The church is you. You are the church. And that, by the way, is beautiful, right? I'm going to show you kind of a long passage. This is Acts chapter 2. And here's what I want you to do. As I read this, um, I want you to try to pick out some words that you think make the church beautiful. What do you see in here that is actually beautiful about you and I, about the church, okay? It says this. And they, meaning the very first Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, the, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and, belonging, and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all to selling all that they had and giving the money to those who were in need. And day by day attending the temple, which is like coming to a church together, and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now let me ask you, what do you see in here that is beautiful about what the church really is? Any words stick out to you? What do you think? Yes? Yeah. How so? What do you mean by that? Yeah. Why was there awe on them? What's like the four words before that? Or after that? That's right. So they were seeing God doing things in their community, and their response was awe, right? Tell me, what does awe look like? Show me in your face. What does awe look like? Yeah, that is what their life was like. How crazy is that? Okay, what else do you see? That's very good. Yes. Yeah, they all believed together, right? That's beautiful that they believed the same things together. What else do you see? What else sticks out to you as what's beautiful to, about the church? Anything else? I love that they were uh, in faith, right? They were selling the things that they personally had because they were not okay that there were other people in need. They saw people who didn't have stuff, so they sold their own things and said, I'm going to care for that person. That's a beautiful thing about the church, right? It says that they ate together. They spent time together. They prayed together. That's beautiful, right? And then look at how God blesses it. Because of this community, because of these people who are on a great adventure together, God continued to bring people to them. God continued to add to their number the people who were being saved. What were they being saved from? They were being saved from death. They were being saved from a horrible adventure that they were on, or actually no adventure that they were on. They were being saved from a very poor story. And God says, I want to rescue you from death and to give you life, and life that is not about you any longer. So when you and I consider that we're not alone, know that you have God. And know that you have this group of people. Know that as we um, finish out this school year, that we've got a great summer planned for you. That you are not alone this summer. That you can come and you can be with us through all the fun events that we have over the summer. And what I want to do is end with this. As we consider um, the story that you are writing with your life. You're on the very beginning of your story. And I'm actually jealous of you because you get to begin right now as a junior hire writing an incredible story that you can recognize that God has called you into an adventure. And you are great characters. 
All of you are great characters on, in this story. So when conflict comes, when things get in the way, when those obstacles show up in your life, what will you do to overcome them? Because at the end, that's what produces a great story. When a likable character gets what they want through all the crazy, dangerous things that happen. Your story cannot be about yourself. So think about your life just for a second. What is it that might be in the way? What might be an obstacle in your life that's getting in the way? Maybe it's how you're spending all of your time. Maybe it's what you talk to your friends about most of the time. Maybe it's the stuff that you're looking at on the computer. Maybe it's the pressure that you're feeling to do well in school or to look the right way or to dress the right way. Maybe it's to uh, be in a relationship with the right person. What is it? What are those obstacles that are actually getting in the way of a great story that God's trying to write? Can you think of something? I'm going to bring the band up and we're going to sing um, a song together. And here's what I love. This song is a, a shout of joy. This is a song where we can celebrate what happens when we surrender to God. It's talking about how you and I want to be people that give all that we are, everything that we have for God. Because if this adventure really is going to be a great story, we have got to make our story about other people. We have got to make our story not about ourselves and trying to make sure that we have the greatest life possible. It's about caring for the people around you, in your schools, in your family, in your neighborhood, down the street, uh, on your soccer team, on your volleyball team, whatever it is. Your story's got to be about caring for other people. So would you stand? Would you sing with us? And I want you to proclaim these words as a promise to God about what your life will be like from this day forward. Stand up with us as we sing.